the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For the living God moves outside of the realm of impossible. I don't know if you know that or not, but he moves in that realm. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in Genesis 37. I entitled this message, the life of a dreamer. I'm pretty sure that we all dream, do we not? Yet, we don't always remember our dreams. At least that's what the professionals say. Because I used to seem like I dreamed so much more when I was younger. But they say, you don't remember all your dreams. Okay. But even my dog dreams. You know, I'll be sitting there watching TV and he'll be on the floor. And he'll start like running. He's on his side. And he's, huh, huh. you know, I don't know if he's chasing a cat are being chased by a lion. I'm not sure one or the other, but he even dreams himself. You know, but our dreams can vary. Everything from being extremely scary to just flat out bizarre. Listen to some of these dreams that most people have in common. So these are dreams that they say that like everyone has these. Number one, you're being chased or attacked by something. Now, The only problem when I have that dream is that why is it that I move in slow motion? I'm in a dream. It's like, okay. And it's like something's chasing me and I'm trying to get away, but it's like I'm being held back. I hate when that happens, but that seems what happens to me. Another one is you're falling. I've had that one where I'm like laying in bed and it's like someone just flipped the bed over and I'm I like jump, you know, because it's like I'm I'm falling in the Grand Canyon or something. Uh, Another one is you can fly. Oh, I love that one. I mean, I've had it so real before, I feel the wind in my face, you know. And I'm thinking, like, I've had dreams so real like that, I'm thinking, maybe I can fly. But but I can't. But anyway, it's like I love that dream. And then there's the worst dream ever. You're at the mall and you're walking around. And you're just thinking, like, well, what's so bad about that? You didn't get dressed. (sighs) Yeah. <laughs> Just a little thing there. See, that's not a dream, that's a nightmare. Yes, we all have dreams. Some are good, some are nightmares. And others are just plain weird. Then others will have dreams like Martin Luther King Jr. He had a dream that we would all be equal, that we could all live together, that it would just all be fine. That was a good dream. Walt Disney, he had a dream. He had a dream to. Make a park where you could go and just escape all your problems for the day. It'd be like going to fantasy land. Mother Teresa, she had a dream that nobody would ever go to bed hungry. And each and every one of us, well, we have dreams too. 
dreams for our futures. I remember as a young Christian about 35 years ago, I was part of a young discipleship group at Harvest Christian Fellowship. And, you know, there's about 12 of us in this group. One of the pastors was leading it up. And I had lunch with that pastor that led the group. And so he would just, you know, individually take us out to lunch. And so it was my turn to go to lunch with him. And so we're sitting there scarfing down some food. And he said to me, where do you see yourself going in the future? And I said, without hesitation, I'm going to be a pastor here at Harvest, just like you. And I remember he looked at me, and he just started laughing. And he just said, yeah, right, I don't think so. You better get your eyes on something else. Because I was, you know, a lot younger then, well, 35 years ago. And if you think I'm a little bit of a spaz now, I was 10 times a spaz then. And he was just like, "Uh, no, you're a little too high strung for ministry. I don't think it's going to work for you. But he laughed at me. And I just remember it was like a sword going into my heart. But, you know, who would have ever imagined? But it was my dream. And nobody could see it. Or believe it except for me and the God who gave me that dream. For the living God moves outside of the realm of impossible. I don't know if you know that or not, but he moves in that realm. And for he's the one that told me when I was 20 years old, keep following me and I will make you a fisher of men. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. So I just kept serving right where I was. I kept sharing my faith on the job sites and leading people to Christ. Yes, I felt God's plan deep within my soul. A passion was brewing. It was a dream. It was something that I longed for. Something that only my wife knew how bad I desired it. And then one day... My dream came true. I remember Pastor Greg Laurie, it was on a Wednesday night, and he came up to me and he he said, I want you to come on staff. And I'm like, really? I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, it's happening. It's finally happening. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he goes, well, didn't you see the bulletin today? We're hiring a new janitor. I'm like, oh, (laughs) nothing wrong with that. But it's just like, I'm like, Oh, he goes, no, just kidding. I want you to be on my staff as one of my pastors. I'm like, okay, can you get the paddles out now and bring me back to life? Okay, anyway, but it was 17 years after I started dreaming about it. I remember going home that night. My life had fell asleep on the couch, and I remember waking her up and saying, you're not going to believe it. It finally happened. It was longer than we had anticipated in the time that was in that 17 years was filled with many discouragements. It was filled with many letdowns and dry moments and desert times. You know, a time when the chance, it seemed like, the chance of me becoming a pastor looked about as promising as Humpty Dumpty dressing up in a tutu and becoming a ballerina or something. It just didn't seem like it was going to happen. But know this, it is never ever a bad thing to offer our unknown futures into the hands of the all-knowing God. It's never a bad thing. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Now, the the key word in that entire verse is the first word, and it's only a two-letter word, if. If you do it, it will happen. And if you don't, it won't. So he said, if you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you, you can ask anything and God will grant it to you. See, people read that verse and all they say is, oh, God will give me the desires of my heart. It's like, uh, yeah, it's time for that Ferrari. It's time for that new house. It's time for the new wardrobe. It's time for the new job. It's time to win the lottery. Uh, No, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has everything to do with, are you going to abide in him? Will his words abide in you? And if you do, now you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See, because now your heart is geared towards him. Now what your desires are, are the desires that he has for you. And that is what God wants to unfold in your life. So the question is this, does Jesus live inside of you? Do you embrace his word? Do you do what he says for you to do? Well, today, as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, we're going to focus on Jacob's son, Joseph. He was the firstborn of the love of his life, his wife, Rachel. He was a young man in the Bible who was known as a dreamer. Yet his dreams would end up costing him. His dreams would cause him serious problems. His dreams would cause unwanted separation. His dreams would cause severe hardship in his life. Yes, you could say his dreams led to horrible circumstances. And as we saw last time, his mother Rachel had just passed away while having her second son, Benjamin. It's interesting to note that there are more chapters in Genesis devoted to the life of Joseph than there was to Abraham. Wow, really? The father of our faith, his grandfather Abraham? Joseph has more chapters? Really? Hmm, interesting. That was his great-grandfather, by the way. There's more chapters dedicated to Joseph than there was his grandfather Isaac. There's more chapters dedicated to Joseph than his dad, Jacob. Wow, interesting to say the least. Yes, what we can all learn from Joseph's life is nothing short of absolutely amazing. It's information that will be of great value for you and for me in our personal walk with God. Plus, another reason for God giving Joseph so much space in the Bible is maybe because Joseph lived an incredibly, unbelievably upright and honorable life before God and man. Think about that. Now, we have all kinds of great saints in the Bible. Man, the Bible is filled with all kinds of guys. And the Bible always tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right, So you have King David, greatest king that Israel ever had. Absolutely. The giant slayer. He was a legend. But he had some pretty rough moments in his life because of bad choices and sin, sinful acts. And they're all told us. So we get to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Joseph is one of the few instances in the Bible, and there's only a few, that there's just nothing bad said about him. How he lived his life in the public, it was a reflection of how he lived his life behind closed doors. He was a young man who could have quoted 
what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4.8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And then he said this in verse 9 of Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul said, The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So the Apostle Paul said, look, you want to know what a Christian looks like? You want to know how to live a godly life? You want to know what it means to really walk with God? Look at my life. Mimic me. Do everything that I do, and you will be a godly person. Not too many could say that. Joseph could have said that. You want to know what it means to walk with God? You want to know what it means to have integrity? You want to know what it means to be upright before God and man? Watch me and do what I do. Well, with that said, as we read the text together, picking up in Genesis chapter 37, we'll start in verse 1. And it says, now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned. Now, remember, we studied that last time. Remember, he had stopped short, caused all kinds of problems when he stopped. And uh, so he crossed the Jordan River. Now he's in the land of Canaan where he's supposed to be. Now he's in the land of Canaan. Verse 2, these are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. While he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now you remember the whole thing. Remember, he only loved one woman. He only wanted to marry one woman, and that was Rachel. And then, of course, Rachel's dad, his father-in-law, did the whole switcheroo on him. And in the wedding bed was Leah, the older sister, who had the droopy eyes, okay? And so he's all drunk from the wedding party, goes in, honey, are you in here? Uh-huh. Where are you? Uh-huh. And he's crawling under, he's going under the blankets. Ah, oh, I feel skin. Uh-huh. Okay, no lights in the tent. No electricity back then. He consummates the marriage, and it's Leah, not Rachel. And then, of course, you know, that whole thing just unwinds, and she's popping out babies like Octomon. You know, it's like Rachel can't have any kids. And finally, God opens her womb much later. But until then, she ends up giving her uh, maid, Bilhah, to her husband. So that's a third wife now, so that she can have babies, so that Rachel can raise them. And then, of course, uh, Zilpah was a maid of Leah, so she had her having babies. So he ends up with four wives. He only wanted one. In the Bible, you're only supposed to have one, but... Nonetheless, anyway, so you're brought back up to speed on that. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them, who he was sent out, looked at his brothers, came back, gave a bad report to their father, to his father, Jacob. Now, Israel, who is Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his whole age. Plus, he was the son of the only woman that he loved, which was Rachel. And he made him a multicolored or multicolored tunic, which is just like a, a wrap, a, a coat. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a lot there. So we haven't really heard anything about Joseph until right now. He was born back in chapter 30. And again, he was the answer to his mother's, Rachel's prayers. 
As you remember, again, she was barren, unable to have children, but the mercy of God opened her womb, and Joseph was her firstborn. As we pick up in our text, now he's 17 years old, so 17 years, blue by, never heard anything more of this kid. We will see him go from being an honest, upright young man to being the center of a devious plot to get rid of him. I wonder how we would have handled a similar situation that we're going to look at here today. First, we find Joseph out with his older brothers, and he obviously must have seen them up to no good. I mean, maybe they were all slacking off on the job, you know, goofing around when they should have been working. That seems to be a common trait among many here today in the workforce. It's an attitude of, what is the least amount I can do and still keep my job? How can I just do the very minimum and still keep my job? By the way, I do want to raise. Uh, Excuse me. See, I wonder if that could be said of anyone here today. Do you find yourself working faster when the boss walks in? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's the boss. Oh, yeah. Let's get going here. You know, that's right. Got to make it all happen here. You know, here's a word of encouragement if that's you. Pray that the Lord would help you to incorporate a strong work ethic. Then when the boss comes in, you will always be working hard. And let me just say, if you've been slack at your work, have you ever wondered why you're not getting raises? Have you ever wondered why you're not getting promoted? Maybe there was a recent job promotion and you didn't get it. The Bible tells us to do everything that we do in our work and deed as unto the Lord. The Christian should be the highest paid person at every single job. Whatever your position is, no matter how low, medium, or high it is, you should be the highest paid person at your job. Why? Because you should outwork everybody around you. It's like, why are you working so hard? Because I'm doing my job, not for the boss, not for the customer. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And when you do your job as, amen, when you do your job as unto the Lord, you will outwork everybody and you will please everybody. Why? Because if you can please Jesus, you're pleasing everybody else. I've always done this in all the different trades that I've had in my life. And I've always risen to the top and been the top guy, top moneymaker, top producer. Everything I've ever done Why? Because I've always tried to do it as unto the Lord, and I was able to witness to people all the way, and I always made more money than anybody else in everything I've done. Why? Because it's like we should be driven. It's like we should be like, look, I'm a Christian, and I want to show you. In fact, I worked so hard at my job when I left back east, and I was a sales manager. I gave them a 30-day notice, and I'm like a 30-day notice. I'm I'm like, I'm out of here in 30 days. Okay, because they were really good to me. I would have normally given them a week notice, W-E-A-K, like a couple days. But, you know, week, you know. Okay, anyway, sorry. Went over some of your heads. It's okay. It's it's still early. Yeah, we haven't had lunch yet. I got it. Anyway, so, but anyway, there you are. I gave him a 30-day notice because he was a good man. He wasn't a Christian, but he paid me really well and gave me great opportunity. And I made him a lot of money. You know, every business relationship should be a win-win. 
He paid me tons of money, and I made him tons of money. That's just the way it works. And it's like if you're not making your company money, if you're not being productive, you're a deficit to that company. So I worked hard. So I got down to like the last three days. I took this this sales division from three hundred thousand to over ten million a year. And it's like, and it's like I'm thinking you're not going to have me train somebody. So I went to him about three days before I was ready to leave, and I said. You know, this thing's not just going to work on its own. I mean, it's like, you, you're not bringing me someone to train. And they said, you're leaving? And I'm like, yes, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving in three days. They're like, we, didn't think, we thought you changed your mind. I go, why would I have changed my mind? And they said, because you're selling more equipment now than we've ever seen you sell. And I said, that's because I prayed. God, I don't want to just kick back and throw my feet up on the desk this last 30 days. I want to be productive. I want to leave you with a witness that I was a man of God and I've worked till the end. And so that's what happens when you work hard. Ecclesiastes 5.18 says this. It talks about a person who works hard. It says, here is what I've seen. It is good and fitting to eat drink and enjoy in one's labor in which he toils under the sun for during his few years of this life which God has given him and this is his reward to eat drink and be merry meaning it's like you should work hard and enjoy the fruit of your labor are you sick of driving a junk car I've been driving junk for years it's like well guess what Work hard, make more money, and buy a new car. You can enjoy the fruit of your labor. All Solomon is saying there is work hard, and then you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. Well, getting back to Joseph here, he was observing his slackered brothers, you could say, and he told his father that they're slacking off. Yes, you could say that Joseph ratted out his brothers. He totally squilled on them. He was a big, fat tattletale. Don't you hate when that happens to you? It's like when someone tattles on you, when someone tells the boss it was you that messed up or that you were late coming back from lunch again. It's true. It hasn't changed throughout all of human history. Nobody likes a tattletale. Yet, if his brothers would have been hard workers, they wouldn't have anything to squeal on, right? Okay. And notice verse 3 points out the main reason things went sour for Joseph. For it was way more than just him spilling the beans on his lazy brothers. We're told that Jacob, his dad, loved Joseph more than all of his sons. Now remember, again, Jacob had 12 sons. Just imagine how all of his other sons felt. Your dad loves your little brother more than all of you. Just like Jacob loved Joseph's mother, Rachel, more than all of your mothers, okay? It's like all of your mothers are second duty to Rachel. And it's like, and now he loves Rachel's little baby, the little spoiled brat, loves him more than all of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe that was one of the reasons that Jacob's other sons were so slack. I'm not working hard for my dad. And, you know, I'm like second fiddle to him. I'm going to give him secondhand work. Who knows? Dad's obvious favoritism towards Joseph caused a lot of problems. Understand, this is a monumental mistake that parents can make. Did you get that? Are you a parent? Do you have children? Don't make 
this monumental mistake. Maybe you have one child that's really gifted in a sport. Maybe you have a child that's really talented or they're super smart. They're a brainiac. Maybe they're, you know, they're the best in the school, you know, and they bring home really high grades. But we can't say to another child of ours that maybe doesn't learn as quick. Some kids learn quick and some kids don't. It's just what it is. But you can't compare them with your kids. You can't say to the one that's a slow learner, I wish you were like your brother or sister. What's wrong with you? How come you're so stupid? How come you don't figure this out? How come you can't can't be like them? You know, maybe I wonder if you were favored in your house when you were growing up. Or maybe you were the one that never seemed to measure up. Again, this should never happen in our home. We should not have that separation. We should not favor one child over another child. Now, look, I have four kids and I have 10 grandkids. Okay, so I know what it's like to have one kid that's like, well, this one listens to me, does everything I asked him to do. This one is just hard and a struggle, and, and they're always arguing with their mom. It's like, so, you know, you kind of can easily favor one that, that, that makes your life easy, and then you're kind of a little harder on the one that makes your life miserable. I get that, but you can never show that favoritism. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, Consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.